Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Matt D. Fothery, Lee Boyd, and Rob Beller. Hello, podcast world. We're here today to tell you about an amazingly special edition that we got to do last week with a friend of ours out in Salt Lake City at the Elevate Conference. We had uh, the opportunity to have the president of Exactware on. Isn't that right, guys? Yeah, that's Mike, correct. Mike Bolton, what a great guy. He's uh, he's great. Why, why do you guys say that? He is. He's so easy to talk to, and he's so knowledgeable about our industry. And uh, I, I, I just really think that he gets it. He's just a great speaker, too. He's, um, uh, you can tell he practices. He's, he's just very smooth, articulate. He's, uh, and, and it's going to be a great interview today. It was last year. Even after the interview, I talked to numerous people at Exactware, and I said, "Hey, we just interviewed Mike Fulton. He just seems like a nice guy." And everybody I talked to said he is. He is really that nice. He is. He's. He's a smart person, and he's a. He's just a, a good guy to know. I think one of the really interesting things about Mike is he brings the perspective of that he's been in this industry a really long time, right? But he's also working for a company that's relatively near the edge of what's going on, and that's Absolutely. a that's a unique perspective. So he doesn't he doesn't romance the old times or or reject or reject them and focus too much on the new times. I think his perspective is very unique. And, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and we're, and we're so lucky to have him right whenever he comes off stage. This is the second year in a row within about 15 minutes of him delivering the keynote between eight and 9 AM. He's over there at, at our podcast booth about nine fifteen to yeah, get the thing started. It's his conference, right? It's I mean, his he's, conference. Uh, he's in charge of, Getting it all done and uh, to have that time with him is really, uh, really great. So we certainly appreciate it. It says a lot about how generous he is, but I do hope that we're like part of his conference therapy, right? right. <laughs> that he's right. gone through this intense experience of, of sitting in front of nearly a thousand people and delivering an address. Um, and then a few minutes later, sitting down with us. So what I thought was interesting was during the, during the conversation, we were able uh, to speak with him for about 45 minutes. And during that 45 minutes, he never looked at his watch. He never looked at his phone. He never took another message. He was he was there in the moment. And I really, really thank him for that. Yeah, I think that's one of the things about Mike is, is that when you're with him, you feel you have his full attention. And, I agree. Um, for for us and for all of, his, all of our listeners, I think that that's a really great attribute to have, to be present when you're talking to people. Yeah, that is, it's hard to do this day and age, but it's so, so important. Yeah, and, and think of where we were. We're out in the middle of the conference foyer. There's some background noise, and you know, there's thousands of people walking around out there, and, and we're in this intimate conversation with the, the head of exact work, right? Right, right. It's his, I mean, it's his party. He's the host sure. of the party. So um, anyways, we will uh, jump right in. Mike touches on a number of really important topics from his keynote as well as some general information in, uh, about the industry, and, and, and we'll hear about that. So without further ado, 
Here is our episode from the Elevate Conference in Salt Lake City with the president of Exactware, Mike Fulton. Hey, everybody. We are here with a uh, special guest that we're privileged to have, considering that he just came off of his keynote speech and presentation at the Elevate Conference, Mike Fulton, who's the president of Exactware, correct? Correct. For now, <laughs> I say, right? Yeah, we'll see what the fallout is from the keynote. Hey, great job on the keynote. That was a really good job. Appreciate it very much. It's always, I was a little bit nervous about this one. If, if, if people are, that are listening to this end up seeing the recording, it was quite a different different show than what we've done in the past. And so, it, you know, I'm, like most people, consistency is is nice. That's why mm -hmm, we all stay true. at Marriott's because we know what we're going to yes, expect when right, we go to, right, right. on the road. Yeah, this was, you know, I have been to numerous keynotes from, from ExactWare, and this is maybe fifth or sixth one. And I really walked away today, you know, feeling good. I good. walked away uh, not thinking that a robot is going to take uh, the job of the adjuster or our industry, uh, that people are so important and that, you know, are really focused on uh, the technology surrounding the, the person. So I thought it was a, a great Good. keynote, and I imagine we'll talk a little more about that as we, as we move forward. Uh, the, the first question I have to ask you is, what's it like doing a keynote? Uh, it's, you know, I rely heavily on a great uh, speechwriter, uh, and he and I start meeting back in October to, to just chat about the themes that we want to address. Uh, Ken Loveland, who uh, I don't know if you've met him, but he's he's been with our organization. He's actually the brother of the founder, Jim Loveland, of the organization. Is, is just a, a phenomenal mind from a marketing perspective. Has a great sense of the industry because he came from the industry, uh, and he really makes me look good. Uh, <laughs> so I appreciate it. He frames out the speech. I go back and edit it, and he and I work on it. Uh, but it's I have to give just kudos to him and his team. They they are working long, long days to make sure that these things come off. But giving the keynote itself, um, I've, I've gotten to where it's fun. Uh -huh. I really enjoy uh -huh. it. I'm, I'm got, I've gotten to where I can ad lib a lot more. I mean, there's a certain script that we want to follow that's kind of bulleted. We want to make sure that we're hitting certain points. But I try and engage with the audience, and that's what makes it fun for me. The, the big deal must be uh, choosing the themes, right? Yeah. New, new year, new themes. You don't want to repeat last year. Right. Yeah. And so it's uh, this year. Well, last year and, and follow up with last year where the theme was just kind of the change of AI, you know, and, and the reaction that we had as a result of it, people naturally thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, is this is this going to mean that I'm I'm going to be out of business? You know, the old adage is you, you really can't talk to turkeys about Thanksgiving. <laughs> that's really not what applies here. And that's really uh, what we were trying to set the stage with uh, uh, today in our speech is that the industry's changing. But, you know, you're going to see some incremental AI that's that's adapted into the tools that you use today that are just going to help you work more quickly. I like the driverless car analogy. You know, it, mm -hmm. it's taken me time to get used to the fact that the headlights will dim and brighten, you know, as I'm going down the road and the lane assist things. And once you start relying on them, it's actually quite nice. Right, right. It's not difficult to get comfortable with them. Right. Once you kind of let go of the steering wheel, if you will. I'm not to the point where I can read a book on the way to work. So. <laughs> I like the format was uh, different this year, a panel style uh, with your Xactimate uh, counterparts and then um, three different uh, 
different kind of vendors or silos came up at the end. Yeah, uh, three service provider, right. insurance carrier, IA. I thought that was yeah. different and uh, added a different dimension to it this and year. It was good. Those guys are are awesome. I've known all of them for quite a quite a few years, and and they're just they're great partners with us. I say that because you know when we engage with them with software solutions, they really have that mentality of helping us to develop solutions and make them even better for the industry. So great group of guys. Yeah, that's, it's so important to have partners. Uh, you know, we have that in our own business. I mean, right. true partnership makes, you know, with the f- feedback back and forth, but you could tell that you had a comfort with them and, and uh, good information. And the yep. room was full. Uh, record-breaking attendance again this so year? So not quite record. A, a good question. Close? I think last year we had uh, in a registered attendance about 780. I think we were pushing 750 this year. Wow, so, still a so good number. Pretty close. That's, good, that's a good, good number. Good number. It's, yeah. it's amazing how it's grown over the last 10 years. So yeah. let's jump into some of the themes that you covered today. The first one that really stuck out to me that, that I heard was the whole concept of an ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And and one of the reasons that's interesting to us uh, in our podcast, we frequently are talking to people about the InsurTech ecosystem mm-hmm. using that term ecosystem. So why don't you take a minute and define uh, your point there and, and, and what you mean by ecosystem and kind of the concept that you guys were after today. Oh, good. So I think that's a that's a great place to start. You know, historically, as as we Exactware and there's there's other Verisk businesses that do this as well, uh, and obviously a number of what's called InsureTechs today, they're they're building up little solutions that handle different use cases throughout the claims process. Uh, and if you talk to insurers today, they're all interested in automation because they know they've got a retiring workforce. Uh, they obviously, as I said in the speech, you know. People have been retiring for thousands of years and new workers have come in right. the workforce to replace them. We do have a larger number of those that are going to be retiring just to the boomer generation like myself. But the interesting thing is we're just not seeing a real influx of young people coming into the market that really are interested in learning the construction trades, knowing how to estimate and knowing how to drive a nail. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as, as we move forward with this, we really see the need for that automation. And some carriers will call it straight through processing. We've kind of coined the term right touch adjusting, which basically means, you know, whether it's going to be fully automated, which is, you know, kind of the the high frequency, low severity stuff, glass breakage theft, things of that nature, to the more complex stuff where you might like fire, water loss, whatever, where you might be doing some incremental type of uh, AI and automation. Mm-hmm. Right touch is all about the, the policy holder and what's right for them. Mm-hmm. So we've coined these different terms but in the end, when you start putting all of those things together, there's many, many building blocks out there in, in the industry, not just within Verisk, but uh, other insure techs now that we call them that are, that are bringing these to bear. What's, what's missing is kind of the mortar, you know, to glue all of these blocks yeah. together. And that's really Agreed. the next step. And we've got to change our model from, you know, just being strictly siloed software development to be more API type of driven so that we can tie into others, they can tie into us, and it's very, uh, very seamless. And so when you think about it in that light, it really does create this this ecosystem, this pool uh, into which people can play and join in. So do you see yourself as more API driven going forward? Uh, I think we've got to be. We've got to be just even within Verisk because we've got to stitch our own products together uh, uh-huh. so that they can be they can seamlessly interact. Uh, and obviously, as we talk with customers, they're interested um, in the entire process, and they may want to plug in their own solution into one of those building blocks. So we've got to be API driven as well as 
uh, as well as those vendors or integrators that we're tied in with. Last year, we talked about uh, Exact being a open platform mm-hmm. and welcoming companies to to join. And in the keynote, you talked about how almost on a near weekly basis uh, that's happening. How is that going? Is, or is that you know, are companies joining with Exactware and Verisk to join the APIs, or or most of those integrations within Verisk alone? So. No, most of them are outside of the Verisk ecosystem, okay. uh, and I, I even say that loosely because I, the ecosystem is is not just isolated to to Verisk tools. But um, while the API strategy is is something that we've got to do, I admittedly most of our products are not in that state right now. This is something that we've got to develop I see. Uh, going forward. Most of our those that we integrate it with are not in that state as well. So this is a shift that's got to happen in the industry. Most of what we do today from an integration perspective is we have an EDI, an electronic data interchange connection that just sends data so that if I type a date in this particular application, it will automatically transfer through the network and update a date within our system. It's 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 somewhat seamless, Yeah. perhaps doesn't tie in all of the data elements that are needed, but it is continuing to grow. The biggest concern Cautiously, I want to make sure that I don't, I, I don't, it, it's, it's a concern throughout the industry. You know, data security is, is, is yep. paramount for us. We have some customers, one in particular you may be familiar with, who, whose data is a matter of national security, according to them. <laughs> and so, and uh, we have pretty strict standards, even with background checks of the people in-house in our, in our sure. team that might have access to that. And I know vendors of ours and customers of ours that, that work with them have to have clean rooms into which they entered in order to be able to touch that data. So data security is standard for us because many of the integrators that, that we deal with don't have a contract with, with the actual insurer. When you think of the, think of the three-way relationship between, the, between Exactware, the insurer, and the contractor or IA that might be doing the work, everybody has a contractual relationship with each other in that, in that triangle. Uh, and so everybody's got the same data security standards and, and, and requirements placed upon them. But if you have one of these outside integrators that that provides uh, a workflow solution or something like that with whom the carrier might not have a contract, the, the contractor does. And maybe it's something as simple as QuickBooks. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And that seems like it's just, just such a no-brainer that a, the contractor has to integrate with this in order to be able to facilitate their business. We need to help them to do that so they're not having to do duplicate entry. But there's just such a heightened sensitivity amongst carriers about that data and the potential for it to be breached that it, it adds an additional level of complexity to make sure that either we have a contract, well, if we do have a contract with that with QuickBooks because we're going to be sending them data directly that they can adhere to the same security standards that we do. Yeah, and I think the uh, open API is really critical in this ecosystem because, you know, the carriers in particular have gotten so broad in what they need and it's so different now than it was five years Mm -hmm. and every carrier has different needs and they're marketing to different segments that we even find ourselves producing data that 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 we don't get from you guys and we don't get from another source and that data needs to go somewhere right and we Mm -hmm. need to be able to plug that in and even get that back to the client and how we do that uh, is going to take that relationship right going forward to be able to move all that information around but the security is key it's become uh, it's become a really big deal here in the last few years. Well, the interesting thing is when you, when you speak with carriers, they want automation. Right. But, and they, they realize when you talk with them that in order to automate these things, in order to be able to generate an, an estimate automatically based upon the location, the type of loss, things like that, the ability to look at a photo and say that that is a Sony model 
101 television or it's, you know, half inch drywall with a, you know, a light texture on it and three and a quarter inch base. You've got to feed that type of system with just thousands. And well, that's even too low. I mean, millions of photos have to drive it to make it work. So data sharing in that realm is, is paramount in order to obtain any kind of success. So we've got that desire, but at the same time, you've got those that are kind of holding data close to the vest and, and are afraid, likely, of, sure. of sharing that. So we, we've got to find the right balance, the right sweet spot to meet in the middle that allows a, a, an insurer to feel comfortable in sharing that information into this contributory database that's going to generate this and allow us to create that ecosystem, while at the same time we can protect it. You. Uh Started the uh, started your keynote today by uh, showing a quote from that I guess somebody shared last year, which basically said, uh, "Well, I'll let you say it." <laughs> so I, yeah, I, there there might be youngsters listening. But <laughs> it was it was good, and like I said, it's uh, it basically someone has said after our keynote last year, we talked about AI and automation of claims. They volunteered that. You know, it's it's really kind of messed up, and I put messed up in quotes because the actual words they used were not uh, were quite different from that. But it's messed up that you're working on ways to replace us, uh, and we wanted to point that out right at the beginning of of this morning's speech to just say, I get it, and and maybe we talked about that in that light a little bit too deeply last year. Let's pull back and see what does that really mean for us. Uh huh. So is that a concern that you're running into generally? I think, well, most in the industry. I mean, the people that were, and I, again, I want to say this lightly because I don't want it to be be flippant, but the folks that were manufacturing, you know, buggies to be yeah. pulled by horses mm-hmm. back yeah. at the turn of the 20th century were nervous as well, as, as the folks are that publish newspapers today. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's a different world. And you can either as a business, as a person, choose to get on that train and make it work for you, or you mm-hmm. can get run over by it. And really the, the theme today is, Let's all just understand that this is happening and let's let's make sure that we can we can work with it and plan for the future. Right. I don't think that anyone's goal in our industry, wherever it is in the ecosystem, is to drive out, drive labor out of the of, right. of the system. The I think the goal is to make it as efficient as it can possibly be mm-hmm. with with maybe the goal of, you know, satisfying the 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 policyholder and retain retaining them sure as best as possible well and, and the, the the concept of right touch adjusting it's it's great to think of the fact that you know if mike has a claim heaven forbid and he calls in and, and goes into some app i can i can tune this uh, and or it can be tuned for me for my experience and automate this front to back from fnol first notice of loss uh, clear to settlement but what if what if i don't want to do that Mm-hmm. You know, as a policyholder, I've been paying insurance premiums for 40 years. Right. I mean, doggone it. If I have a claim, yeah. I want you to get your butt out on yeah. to my house. I want to have the white glove treatment. But, you know, my schedule may not allow that. I may not be able to meet you there. So I'm it, it, the, the key for right touch is what's right for the policyholder. And can we apply some level of automation to help the adjuster community, help the, the service provider community as well to more effectively do their jobs. You guys must feel a lot of pressure, I would think, just from the world of technology in general and the sta- and the bo- and the way that like companies as, like Amazon are setting the bar so high. Right. I, I, that you know that that when we don't have a package in 2 days, we're upset. 
Isn't that something? It's mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people listening to this might not appreciate that, but but oh, us boomers right. we can right? right. I mean, it's uh, it was unheard of, and and so but that must filter down to you guys as as technology developers. Without a doubt. And in, in our insurance carrier customers will tell us all day long that they're not being compared to another insurer. They're being care, compared to Amazon and Uber. And, and we're seeing a change actually in the personal property side of the market. You guys will see this coming. Historically in the U.S., personal property estimating and claims has all been about valuation. I'm going to value this personal property inventory that you're going to have then over the next year. You know, you're going to be submitting receipts to me and I'm going to be paying you RC uh, benefits uh, as a result. But outside of North America, it's all been direct fulfillment, direct replacement. As you go over to Europe, they don't they don't have a Best Buy and a Walmart on every other corner into which somebody can go and buy the thing. Right. And here in the U.S., obviously, if lightning hits my television, you know, my carrier can say, Mr. Fulton, we're going to have a new, you know, 65-inch LED TV at your house in 48 hours. I'm going to say, uh, actually, no, I'm standing at Best Buy. I've got my hand on the thing and there's a game on right. tomorrow. So I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm, taking this, I'm taking this home with me. But people are changing and the market is changing due to companies like Amazon. I mean, we do probably 98% of our shopping on Amazon. The UPS guy is at my house on a daily basis. Oh, yeah. And we're seeing that shift and it's going to enable us to shift into more of the uh, direct replacement type of model uh, on personal property. You know, I, I want to ask a question. I was in there listening to the to the right touch, and I, I sometimes look at insurance claims as my cable provider. I used to have cable, but now I have I have Hulu and I have Netflix and I have all these different ways to get uh, the the information I want from mm-hmm. from the TV. And I and now I look at insurance claims. And I think the insured has all these different ways they can take care of their claim. They can do it over the phone. They can have somebody come out. They can have a virtual inspect. They can do all these things. You know, sometimes you hear hear the quote that you can do uh, a lot of things good, but a few things great. Right. Do, is there is there a time where the pendulum swings back and and the insurance industry offers a few ways to settle a claim, or do you think this is the future of insurance that we will meet the needs however they need to be met? You know, it's a great question. I think if you were to ask insurers today, they're like they're all in. What's mm-hmm. it going to take? Because right. they've got to compete. They're they're competing with Geico and they're competing with all of the others that are out there. The the lemonade, you know, that claims mm-hmm. they can you know right. settle a claim in what was it two and a half seconds or something like that. They, they know they've got to compete with those and they're trying to stay abreast of the demographic, the changing demographic of their policyholders so that they can uh, address those things. I would say in short, likely yes. I mean, the way, yeah. the way typical things flow is it goes from one side of the pendulum to the other and then you, you obtain some kind of equilibrium right. at some point in the future. We'll, well, we'll see what that means. Yeah, I'm very curious to see uh, because I'm a, I'm a big fan of meeting the, the policyholder where they're at you know, serve that need, get the renewal, right. uh, continually upsell products. That, that's wonderful. I just wonder how long can, can we last as a, as an ecosystem? Yeah. I think the big uh, thing, thing on our mind is a, is the service providers, you know, where do we fall in all this? And I think you addressed that a little bit today and I want you to talk on it about how the human element is probably always going to be in this mm-hmm. uh, evolution that we call it. It's just going to be uh, kind of replaced or, or repositioned in different spots. Can I get your thought on that? Well, there's always been there's always been kind of a staffing issue, I think, uh, in the service provider side, and I equate both the IA side with actually the, the contractors, service providers that are out there doing the work. And so much of your day is spent probably doing what 
I mean, not to diminish somebody who's had a claim, but some of them are kind of nuisance claims. I mean, they take a disproportionate amount of time for the thing that's actually happening. Can we start there uh, and try and automate those things so that you can go back to maybe working an eight or 10 hour day instead of a, a 16 hour day? And that's, that's really the big focus. I will say that it's kind of unknown yet. I mean, everybody likes to boast that, you know, 50, 60% of claims can have some form of AI and automation applied to them. We really don't know at this point. Uh, And uh, I think it's going to be like the driverless car. People like to say that this is going to be the thing. Others will say "Ah, it's going to be 20 years before we actually see everybody in in driverless cars. Mm -hmm. But if we can start incrementally applying some level of automation to help you get back to more of a a typical eight to 10 hour day, you know, have some work life, work life balance uh, and make it more consistent. Then that's the key that uh, we continue to hear from insurers and consistency in how a claim is handled is, is so critical because we're, we're in a, a, a highly litigious society. Can you excite us about any examples or things or cool toys that you have, that are coming soon? So the coolest one uh, we we actually previewed today that uh, using some AI to use the smart the camera on your smartphone to identify a thing that you're pointing that camera at, and we're starting this off fairly small. I think this is going to be revolutionary, but we're starting it off fairly small in the personal property space. We're focused on that um, from an insurance restoration perspective. We've we've compared that which which we do to. You know, Google and, and others, Microsoft, they're doing this type of thing. And, and we've actually got a much higher degree of accuracy because we're focused on specifically on this particular right, line right. of business. But the cool thing about it, and we're going to start this off in Contents Track, which is a tool that enables service providers to, to do an inventory and determine if they're going to do a pack out and, mm-hmm. and clean and then uh, replace that at some point in the future. But you literally point the camera at the thing and it will tell you that this this is a coffee cup or this is a coffee maker or it's a microwave or a laptop. And it's, it's about 90% accurate. Now, that sounds very cool, but it's still got to be trained, as we right. talked about today. I mean, so this trained. is an AI product that needs repetitive exposure to get smarter and smarter? Correct. Yeah. I mean, you can train it to look at a laptop and say that's a laptop. Now, obviously, what everybody wants to know next is, is it a, is it a Mac? Right. And what's the model number? Uh-huh. Because that's going to be critical for replacement. But certainly for pack out the store and perhaps cleaning, it's not as critical, which is why we're starting there. But you know, point it at a laptop that's been in a fire. And is it going to recognize that? Maybe not today, but once I, as the person that's doing that, tell the tell the AI that when it improperly guesses that it's a chair, I can yeah. say, no, actually, that's a laptop. <laughs> right. And the system can actually learn from me doing that as well as, you know, hundreds of thousands of others that are using it in the field. So it can rapidly evolve and start uh, adding more imagery to that database for that facial recognition type of technology. To make I think that's that's so important because what I forget a lot of times, the ecosystem is not just about the softwares and the and the, and the money and the uh, inventions, but it's also about the user. The user will have to help us uh, understand what is right and what is wrong. And we are going to ask the user to tell us, tell us whenever that is not a, uh, a sofa or tell us when that's not a couch, that it is a laptop. Right. We have to rely on the entire ecosystem, not just part of it. Right. Well, and I think contact uh, contents track is a great example of there's not out of every adjuster in that room today, there's not three of them that'll tell you that a contents claim is fun and exciting part of their day. It's, it's a monotonous, um, uh, piece of the insurance world that has to be done very well. And and something like this is something that 
will help speed up a piece of that equation of that loss. It's, it's certainly not everybody's favorite. It takes a lot of time. There's a lot of uh, uh, research to be done. So this is a prime example of, of how that piece of technology is going to help. Well, and and admittedly, there's a there is going to be a tremendous gap between what this thing does on day one and what it needs to do. I mean, to be able to go into my home today and pick out things is one thing. Go into a home after a fire where the, right. the sure. ceiling's down and insulation is all over everything right. and it's soaking wet. I mean, it's it's a nightmare. Yeah. Right. Great. <laughs> I, I I would like to turn a little bit of a sure. corner here. Within about 15 minutes of the of the keynote, uh, the word Geomni came up uh-huh. and we talked about Geomni. Uh, we've all read uh, about kind of what's going on there, but there were some exciting announcements that also happened. I was wondering if you could fill in our listeners on what is Geomni up to and, uh, and what, is their, what does their future look like? Well, I think their future looks good uh, just to start off with that. There was a there's significant shift, not just for exact where Verisk Geomni last fall with that, with that court decision, but I think it's going to have pretty wide-ranging impact uh, in the industry today. And I would just say that, you know, it, it, the, the ruling looked really bad from our perspective. But if, you, if you've if you ever gone out and looked at patent law today, it is it is a weird world. Yeah. And um, I, what I've been telling people in summary is, is this, you know, it used to be patents in general were a blueprint that I could store and it protected me from having others doing that thing. And there was a, a paradigm that had been in place since its onset that was called first to invent which means if I applied for a patent and they checked it and said, nobody else has invented this thing that Mike's invented, he gets a patent. But if somebody came in, if Lee came in and, you know, five years later, 10 years later and said, hey, I had, I invented that thing before Mike and I can prove it, then it could have my patent invalidated. Well, that was changed back in 2012, 2013 to where it's now a first to file. So, so if you get there first, you win. Yeah. And that is a, that is that all happened. That all came down about the time that that uh, that this litigation occurred. So it's a challenge, and and yes, I mean you can, we we certainly infringed if you look at it in that light. But they're really using, you know, uh, examples of mathematics that people have been using to measure buildings for the last several hundred years. There were people up in hot air balloons in the 19th century doing this type of things with, you know, glass plate cameras and so on. But it is what it is. Uh, yeah. So what our charge now is is to make sure that, and first of all, we, we sincerely apologize to the impact that this has had on our customers. We know it's significant. Our charge now is to be able to take care of our customers uh, and create an alternative that doesn't infringe on on that type of technology. Giamni's future is good. good. What we, we had grown within that organization over the last several years because acquisition and availability of high-resolution aerial imagery was very difficult to obtain. And so we actually purchased and grew our own fleet of aircraft and hubs with right. pilots. Yeah. I, re- we were, I remember the original announcement about that. Yeah, we were mowing the sky. And it, it came to the point where we said, look, there are others doing this. We knew this would happen. We knew it would become pretty ubiquitous for mm-hmm. you know high-res imagery to be out there. It'd be just a commodity. So our partnership with Vexel, I think, is very positive. Uh, we were actually able to transfer, transfer all of our our fleet of aircraft, our pilots, our hubs uh, over to that organization, which they're already doing it. It just allowed them to expand. We now leverage that information from them and it allows our Geomni team to just focus on the analytics side of it. So I think so that's going to be very the, possible. You're out, you're out of the aircraft business. We are out of the aircraft business. <laughs> I'm sure there's some people that are happy about that at, at fair risk. 
yeah. but but you're still in the aerial imagery business as a result, correct? So still in the aerial imagery business. Now, what the uh, what the injunction prevents us from doing is calculating measurements from mm -hmm. that aerial imagery. But uh, you know, us uh, our ability to capture aerial imagery and and provide that as a service to people and perhaps overlay our you know uh, shape files from weather and so on on top of it. We have no uh, uh, nothing preventing us from doing that. So we'll continue to do that. You had Kenneth Tolson on today. Ken, right, yeah. Right, and uh, we're, we're in this, I guess, the same business, similar business to him. Um, I thought that, I thought that you know, he was interesting because he, he brought the perspective. In fact, he's walking by right now as we speak. Um, <laughs> uh, the perspective of the adjuster and the, and the, and the adjuster's concern, and I, I just yeah. want to touch back on this again. What, how does the adjuster fit into all of this? Well, um, this is this is a key point, and I think, and we talked with Jeff Fields of ServPro. He's on the service provider side. He's not worried about you know Arnold Schwarzenegger and you know coming out on site as the Terminator and, and starting to rebuild a home. Um, that's not going to happen in our lifetimes. But you know, he's Jeff is is probably more worried about how does he switch to start marketing his service directly to the consumer rather than marketing it to uh, to the insurance carrier. On the IA side, this is something that they've just, you guys have had to deal with this for years. You've got ebbs and flows in the volume of business that's coming to your system mm -hmm. or coming into your into your service. We at Exactware have had the same thing. We've always had to gear our servers for what we call catastrophic success. You know, if, yeah. if we, so how do you how do you gauge the right number of workforce so that you're ready to actually go out in the field at a moment's notice when and if a storm occurs? And where do you find that right sweet spot? So I, I think in, in Ken's comments, I think we're really good. He's seeing more of the folks that are coming into uh, his line of business that have to rely on technology. It's just, it's something that's happening. And the younger, the younger demographic that we're seeing today uh, is, is reliant upon it. They're used to using it. Totally. My kids will, my kids are grown and out of the house now, but when they were still at home, they would communicate with each other across the dinner table by texting. And yes, it's just, right. it's a, it's tough for you and I to, to capture that. But the new, uh, the new generation just embraces that in such a way. And they're not used to going out and, you know, putting on a tool belt and perhaps uh, writing a stick by stick, brick by brick estimate, let alone doing the actual repair. So I think from Ken's perspective, He's seeing the change. He knows there's going to be a reduction in workforce that's, that's, that he's going to experience from those people that might be more construction savvy that can go out and write that estimate. How does he solve for that? How does he, how does he give this generation that's reliant on technology the tools that they need so that they can appropriately estimate? I, my uh, older son was an adjuster with us for many years. He's not in the business any longer, but he didn't know the first thing about construction when yeah. he started, but he mastered exact fast. Good. Because he was a technology guy. Yeah. Right. I mean, these people, the younger, the younger generation can adapt to technology mm -hmm. and much, much quicker. And so they don't, maybe they, maybe you don't need as much construction background. Do you agree with that? Uh, can, I, can the technology I, replace that need? I think the technology can replace it to a certain extent. Writing a consistent estimate is one thing. I, I still think, not unlike the AI that we talked about with Contents Track, you need somebody's got to have a certain level of construction savvy to know if the thing is doing something different than what we anticipate it doing or what it should be doing so that you're basically 
initially you're going to change to estimating by ex, uh, exception sure rather than building something from scratch ground up you're going to you're going to end up with a list of 100 items in this uh, uh, in this estimate and you may say nope I don't need that I don't need that I don't I don't need granite countertops I need quartz and so on but I'd, I would say yes. I mean, you and I learned about construction by tearing things apart and putting them back together and, and failing once in a while and having Correct. some somebody come in and bail us out. I mean, Correct. I still think one of the biggest things we have on our side is the human nature of the the job we do. And this is, for a homeowner, their biggest investment of their lives. Their home is their home, right? It's it's not a vehicle. And uh, there still has to be compassion and, and listening there and, and some thought process sometimes, especially when a loss gets out of a simplistic form into a, a mid or large loss. So I, I think that's what we heard in his deal is that there's there's new opportunities within this, this disruption that's happening right now. And I think that's how we're going to have to change uh, really what the adjuster looks like over the next five years. So. Right. The people that were making buggies did not not have a job for the rest of their lives. Exactly. They moved, right. they they moved, moved into the, the assembly line. They moved right. onto the assembly <laughs> line. That's correct. Yes. You know, both towards the end uh, today, we actually talked about, uh, well, not we did, but on stage, they talked about IoT, a lot of uh, Internet of Things. Is there a, a place for uh, IoT devices like, like your Notions or your Nest or Rings with, with Exactware? Can Exactware find a way to work with these devices? I know they are with the smartphones, but what about these water sensors. Right. Is, is there anything that, that, that can be done? Yeah, we've, we, we've done some things in the past. We did some things specifically with the water sensors early on when those were first created. Um, but it just didn't, it didn't really take off. I'm not sure the industry was, was quite ready for it. You know, I, IOT and telematics, I think it's going to grow much more quickly on the auto side. Agreed. So certainly sensing not only when you've been in, a, in an accident, but what parts have been damaged Correct. on your car right. And, right. and getting those things ordered. And, and, you know, you're having Siri or whomever say, would you like me to file a claim for you? Do you need a, you know, do you need a tow truck or do you need an ambulance? Uh, and, but I think when it comes to the home side, that's going to be a little bit slower to adopt because they're so disparate you know, Nest uh, and the water sensors are not tied together. You've got individual right. startups that are providing these use case solutions. Where I would see Verisk coming in as, as being a, a tool that could bring all of those together so that rather than you as the homeowner saying, well, I got to go to this app to adjust my thermostat and this mm -hmm. app to adjust my lights and this app to check and see what's going on with my ring doorbell. Can we bring all of those things together into a single seamless solution that will that will help you to manage the most investment and yeah. the, the highest or we highest see that the mortar. The we mortar, see that right. we, I, I'm thinking we had an episode with um, a company called notion. Mm -hmm. If you're familiar, I think they're out of Denver okay. and they're an IOT uh, company that provides and builds various kinds of sensors, security, fire, um, sound, even. Uh, sound, um, Movement. glass break, you know, uh, the right. whole range of things. And it all reports to a hub um, inside the home. And that yeah. hub is then becomes an app onto your phone and provides information back and forth to you. Cool. And you can do settings and all kinds of stuff like that. But um, so, I mean, couldn't, I, well, the, I guess the possibilities are really endless, right? <laughs> of, of what the future can hold when you yeah. start to think about, an API between uh, exact and that kind of yep. technology. Well, and this is a great example. I mean, we our examples this morning were how can you, as customers of ours, jump on board this train? This is something that we've got to jump on board that train with because it will it is a change with regard to how we do business. I mean, Exactware 
and our products are very transactionally based. And how does it change when a particular insurer no longer has 3,000 adjusters out there using Xactimate, but has one or two robo-adjusters that are cranking all of those things through? Not that, again, I see that happening, but I mean, if you look way out to way the down. end of that, mm-hmm. that, that pendulum, mm-hmm. how, do we, how do we adjust? to mm-hmm. make sure that we're that we're we're protected and we can provide the same great solutions going forward. You know, Mike, as we as we get ready to bring this podcast to a close, uh, you know, I always love this conference and I wonder what is your favorite part of, of the Elevate conference? Yeah, my favorite part is a part beside of, doing our podcast. Yes. Beside the podcast. <laughs> good, good. Uh, I was going to say that. Jump in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thought so, I'd remind you. <laughs> I, I mean, I really do enjoy this because it helps us to just talk. I mean, we're, right. we're four guys sitting around at the table just chatting about the industry and what what impacts we're going to have and what do we see coming. But I really like the opportunity to just engage with customers. The, the challenge that I have, as you can imagine, this is a fast-paced 48 hours, and it's just sure. it's tough to spend a lot of good quality sure. time uh, with them. But just really enjoy talking with people and hearing what, what their challenges are, frankly, and how can we... How can we better mold our solutions to fit them? I have one last question for you before we go. And that is um, about the development of your products leading or following. Do you all go meet with carriers, insurers, whatever it may be, and talk to them and pick their brain for ideas? Or do you guys sit around in a room and think about, this would be a really good idea for our product. How, how, how does What's that? What's the balance? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I would say yes to all of that. And it's, and it's not just carriers, actually. We like to meet with, with IAs. We like to meet with, with contractors and service providers. It's tough to go out and, and meet with the individual mom and pop or, you know, the, the 10 or 20 man shop, you know, that's, that's has a few offices. So it, you naturally have to isolate that to some of the larger users. But we do because we're engaging with customers on a regular basis. We've got great support channels that with, from which we hear feedback. We have an idea of where we want to go, but our goal is to go out and meet with customers. And actually, there's probably and, close to 125 separate meetings happening on the third floor of this hotel over the mm-hmm. next 48 hours yeah. with customers where yeah. we get in with them. We present what we think is our roadmap. We listen to them present their roadmap, and then we see how we can make sure that those align. And sometimes they want to hear from us because we're hearing things from other clients that they might not hear otherwise. We have to take that information from them. And how can we take information on a need from these 10 clients and create one generic solution? So it's a, we have to find the right sweet spot. So, yes, I, I always tell people, I use those words. We want to, we want to lead where we need to and follow what's, uh, where, where we can. And I would think in the world today with the innovation groups that are growing inside of many carriers that they're they're more interactive with you than they ever have been i mean in the old days we looked to exact we waited around all year and thought you know what's exact going to come out with this year but now many organizations are on their own thinking about how do i need to innovate what tools do i need and and probably coming to you and say hey this is what that's great that you guys have this idea but this is what we think we need. Right. Well, that's that's exactly what we hear. Is it, you know, you know, They will say, that's awesome. I can see that in maybe three or four years. Don't put that over top of this thing I need tomorrow. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. that's, uh, so that's the balance. Okay. Well, we are so grateful that you do this with us. This is fun. I, I can't. Yeah, thank you so much. I hope it helps you decompress a little <laughs> I bit. I love it. It really does. So I really appreciate it. Appreciate guys. it. And for those of you who are just listening to this, uh, you, you see Mike walking around. 
before the keynote and he's you can tell he's kind of amped up you have yeah. a lot on your mind yeah and then you see Several him after, after and he's relaxed and calm and so we're, we're 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 very grateful that you do this for us this is really helpful i always enjoy it and just i hope you get some good feedback from this i'm but, sure uh, i'm sure we'll let you know thanks thanks very thank much you. guys thank you What a really well-spoken guy, don't you guys think? I agree. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And interesting and complete grasp of all the topics. Yeah, I think one thing I appreciate um, is is Mike's candor and everything. I mean, uh, being in, in any top company position, it's a difficult situation sometimes. And the way he presents himself in uh, in the tough topics, you know, he tackled uh, during the opening today and during the podcast, and really was forthright with information. I, I can really appreciate that. Sure, what they went through recently with Geomni as a company is this really big deal. And uh, uh, for those of you listening, before Mike started today, we said, Mike, you know, is there anything we should talk about or not talk about? And he basically said to us, "Talk about whatever you'd like." It's all open. Yeah. And that kind of um, openness, I think, speaks a lot to where Exact is trying to head, don't you think? I agree. It seems like they're trying to be more open. You know, there's they're that giant force. There's always going to be some issues and people <laughs> feel certain ways, but um, really appreciate him being open and honest today. And I really appreciate him giving us his time. Well, we thank Mike Fulton for being with us today and for being so generous. And like we said at the top, for taking time out from his conference right off of his keynote and visiting with us. And we'll look forward to doing it with him again next year. And we thank you all for being with us and for supporting us and for subscribing to our podcast. And until we talk again, we'll say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.